0: Welcome to Crypto Sapiens, a show that hosts lively discussions with innovative Web3 builders to help you learn about decentralized money systems, including Ethereum, Bitcoin, and DeFi. The podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Crypto Sapiens is presented in partnership with Bankless Dow, a movement for pioneers seeking freedom from the limitations of the traditional financial system. Bankless DAO will help the world go bankless by creating user friendly on ramps for people to discover decentralized financial technologies through education, media, and culture. Hello, and welcome back to Crypto Sapiens. And today we are talking with Crypto Bushi, founder of DAO Punks and now also meme lord at Bankless HQ. We start our discussion with Crypto Bushi describing how he became Greenpilled and joined Bankless DAO after receiving an airdrop as an early supporter of Bankless HQ. He also recalls the role Bankless DAO community members had in inspiring DAO Punks. We talk about the manifesto, which seeks to inspire a movement of rats to become DAO Punks. And to this effect, DAO Punks has created a grants program intended to provide individuals with the initial resources needed to take the leap and go full-time DAO. In our conversation, we also touch on activating new joiners to a DAO, Empowering new ideas and making space for emergent leadership. So, without further ado, let's get started.
1: Hey, I'm um, pleasure to be here. Thanks. Oh, I am Lipfast and I'm I have a very different origin story than uh, CB over here. I have been in the crypto space for like oh god, like it's got to be like six years. And if you even count the time before that, where I first heard about cryptocurrency, we're talking like we're talking like origins, so like 2012 around there. But I I, got, I found myself in Del punks just, you know, randomly. Shout out my, my friend, B17Z, who's basically just like, you know, a friend of mine who I shoot the shit with about cryptocurrencies and just general things in the space. And I had talked to him one time about just like, you know, NFTs were blowing up and I didn't really know anything. I don't, I barely know anything. I'm constantly, I'm always like a year or two behind. And I asked him one day, I was just like, yo, I, I want to own an NFT. I was like, you, you, you own a few things. You know, you know, you know this more than I do. Yo, recommend me something. Like, tell me something to look at. And he's like, Yo, check out Dalpunks. I think he's like, they got a good community. They got a good ethos. You know, they have a good mantra of what they want. What they want. We're trying to achieve the art's pretty solid. And I was like, Yeah. And then like, and I remember the last thing he said is, Oh, by the way, if you get their NFT, you can get a you can claim a free shirt. And I was like sold so i went on OpenSea and i was like all right like what's the uh what's the floor price okay cool it's like a uh, 0.35 ETH. yeah I'll, I'll pick up this and uh so i bought i picked up like i picked up a NFT i liked just like some some random one i was like yeah i like this and uh you know i bought it claimed my shirt and i was like yeah like you know we'll see we'll see how this goes and then i kind of like put it away for about two months and i didn't really think much past m- much past that and then you know Couple months go by, and I was just kind of like was just starting to think about it, and I was like, you know, I got like this NFT. There's this community going on, and like I kind of want to know what's happening. Like I like maybe I can get involved. Maybe maybe I can do something. I don't know what I can do. I don't know much. I know like I know what I know, and I know I know I don't know a lot of things about here, but you know, let me just let me just sit in. So two months after I bought my first my NFT of a DalPunk, my anon. I attended my first community call, sat in the community call. There was probably like five of us at the community call, and I didn't, I didn't, I don't know what I'm doing. So I just sat in the community call and I was just quiet. I just listened. I just remember like Hero and CB were in the community call and like they've been talking for like an hour about it. And I'm just like listening and I was like, oh, this is like pretty intense. Like, you know, they're thinking about complex stuff and I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't, I don't have an opinion on it. And then they just straight up called me out like in the middle of the call and they're like, yo, live fast. You haven't said a single thing. What are your thoughts on this? And I was like, oh, deer in headlights. I was like, uh, 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 I think you should do like, like, what about this? Or like, here's my thought. But like, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know what to think. And they just like, they just kept involving me. They wanted my opinion on this. I was in the community call and they're like, okay, well, we have community calls every week, you know, you know, it'd be, you know, attend. And ever since then, I've just been attending community calls and just doing things just being more vocal in the Discord and trying to give my two cents, answer questions, just read and make sure things are going on. And you know, before I knew it, like you know, I just found myself to be like around so much CB and the rest of the team gave me, let me become a community manager. And the next thing I know, I'm pitching like high-powered ideas, the digital licensing agreement, the like how we how we should handle governance, how we should do grants. I just you know, just it was just like I, I you know, it's almost like a, like an imposter syndrome. I don't really know much of anything, but the next thing I know, I'm like, hey, I have this idea. Here's it fleshed out. Like, what do you guys think? What 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 are your thoughts about this? And so that's that's how it that's how I came to be.
0: That's amazing. And again, I think a few things there to unpack too. So let's go back a little bit and then hopefully we can come back and touch on these things as well, because I think it's important to talk about this idea of how we build these inclusive communities, right? Especially when there may be a few individuals who choose to be a little more silent because maybe that's their nature. Maybe they feel like themselves, uh, they themselves are imposters in this space because it's so fast moving, because maybe they just got started, but They themselves are the ones that have these really big ideas that help these projects move forward and mature. So yeah, 100% want to touch on this. But I do want to go back to that point that we were making earlier. In terms of Cryptobushi, what you were doing in terms of uh, the work previous to Web3, was it art-related? How did your art... Come to be influenced, and how did that art eventually become what we know now as Dow Punks?
2: Yeah, so that's interesting. So no, I, I was absolutely not doing anything with art. I was kind of doing the furthest thing from it. <laughs> i was I was a business broker, and so some people will call it like mer- mergers and acquisitions. And so essentially, what I was doing is I was working with like small business owners. And um, I was helping small business owners and small business buyers basically purchase or buy and sell small businesses. And so these would be businesses like like local restaurants, local bars, local like boutique stores, stuff like that. And so I was working with a lot of entrepreneurs. And I was really, in in my full capacity, I was basically like a salesman. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, one thing that was really interesting that I think there's a lot of parallels with kind of what I was doing before and what I'm doing now is yeah. that... I was essentially helping people kind of break free out of the system. Like a lot of the businesses that I was selling, essentially what I was doing was I was helping entrepreneurs exit their business so that they could retire or maybe they had like a big life change going on. Like maybe they were, maybe they were sick or maybe they were moving because of grandchildren or whatever and they need to sell their business. And I was helping you know, younger entrepreneurs who were hungry and, and ready to kind of take a new chapter in their life, step into a new business, and into a whole new chapter and pursue new things and so like some of my clients were people that would leave like the corporate world and step into like entrepreneurship you know a lot of people think that when you're an entrepreneur you have to like start a business well you don't always have to start a business there's a lot of businesses out there that you can purchase as well and so that that was um, basically what I was doing. But really, I would say I was always kind of like an artist at heart, though. Like, I think one thing that gave me like a really big competitive edge was that growing up, I was always like learning new kind of digital marketing techniques. Like I was learning Photoshop at a young age, just for fun. I was like learning, you know, video production software, like Adobe After Effects and Premiere. I was learning like web design I was learning graphic design. I was always kind of learning these skills except I was just applying them differently. Like I was basically applying them to marketing so that I could, you know, get new clients and do more deals. And so when when I shifted completely and I left that behind, I basically just took all those skills that I was using and just reapplied them into something different. And so instead of like making marketing graphics and stuff like that, I was making other stuff that I thought was cool. But it all, everything comes full circle in life. It's kind of interesting. Like there was a lot of times in my life where I was like spending a lot of time learning something and I never could really figure out like how I could apply it. But then as the years go on, you're like, "Oh yeah, like you know, I got super obsessed with photography for like 3 years and I bought all these nice cameras and all these things. And I never became a photographer, but all that time learning photography you know, taught me like composition of photos, taught, taught me color theory, taught me, you know, how to properly edit photos, things like that, that I now apply to like my art that I use today. And so I would stress to people that are listening to this, like, you don't always have to have like a reason why you're like learning something. Like if you're interested in it, then that's the sign enough. Like just keep doing it. You, not everything has to be like fleshed out completely to where you're like, oh, how am I going to like monetize this? Or oh, I can't learn photography because I don't. I'm not gonna be like ever a professional photographer. It's like, well, you don't. You don't know what you're gonna use those skills for in the future. Like, you might not be a professional photographer, but you might use those skills for something else. Stuff like that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that is a gift of getting older. Is that as you get older, that uh, this wisdom hopefully comes into play, and you what you learn. I think is the interconnectedness of everything. Uh, both relationships, uh, work, skills, values. And so, yeah, 100% agree with you. I think that many times we may see that we're doing something because it is fun, it's interesting, it's hopefully maybe helping us build out our career. But at the end of the day, when we, you know, kind of jump into new life experiences, some of these things have relationships to one another. And, Because we took the time to build out those, uh, you know, values or skills, we are better for it in in this brand new experience. And so I think the same thing can be said for artists and, you know, business people and entrepreneurs who are coming into the Web3 space, that... Anything that they have learned and uh, utilized and maybe previous work experience can certainly be bridged into the Web3 ecosystem. In fact, personally, I think that I would like to see a lot more like sociologists and psychologists and, you know, these humanities individuals come into the space because I think that those would be incredibly valuable at enriching this ecosystem. And, you know, because this is primarily driven by people. And for people. And so these, I think, you know, uh, professionals with these ideas and, 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 and education, I think could potentially help, uh, build out a, you know, this, this space into something a lot more dynamic, richer, fair, and inclusive.
2: Absolutely. I just, I just want to jump in real fast. I just thought of something too, that I think is important to go off this as well. And this is another thing that like, you know, being a business broker taught me as well, like, and, and this, I think applies great with web three, like, the number one mistake that I see a lot of people make, or at least a lot of my friends make right now, is that they identify themselves to what they do for a living. And I just think that's such a dangerous concept because basically you're just putting yourself in this box to where then what you chose to do early on in life is essentially you. And then it becomes really hard to change yourself in the future. And so I think there's a lot of people out there in the world that... They think that like they only have one shot at like becoming this you know what they want to be, and they have a hard time like shifting that narrative into something else. And what I want people to realize is that like you literally are like who you say you are, and so like you know one day you might be a, a salesman, and the next day if you want to be an artist, all you have to do is start saying to yourself that you're an artist and start being an artist. It. You don't have to always be this one thing. And and essentially that's what I loved about business brokerage is that like I saw people transition completely. I mean, I, I saw people who practiced, you know, corporate law for 30 years drop, you know, drop that completely because they said, you know what, I hate this. I'm gonna buy a landscaping company and be a landscaper. And you know, that's such a weird concept to think about because that's not really something that society you know, teaches you. But the same kind of applies over here in Web3. Like, if, if you're not a coder right now, but you want to be a coder, well, guess what? You can be. <laughs> All you have to do is start coding. And now you're a coder, you know? Granted, you're probably not going to be a very good coder at first, but you're still a coder. <laughs> and so it's the same thing with like being an artist. So, you know, if you're, if you're like an executive assistant in the Web2 world and you want to be whatever over here in Web3, I mean, the, the opportunity is, is actually here and you can do that. It really just takes you starting to believe that you are what you want it to be. Um, and I don't want it to sound cliche. Like, I, think it's just, I think it's true. And I think Web3 is opening up that space for everybody because, you know, let's, let's face it, like everybody's anon in this space. Even people that dox themselves, you still really don't know anything about them. Like Basically, we all believe what people tell us. And there's this kind of level of separation from Web3 identity to your real identity. And so it's, we're, we're really all trusting each other here. And so when you go and meet somebody and they say that they're a developer, then you probably believe that they're a developer. And so I, I really urge people, like, take that opportunity. Like, if you don't like what you're doing now, just switch and start doing something else. Because like, we're, we are probably in one of the only times in history where that's actually possible. And I just, I just find it kind of baffling that there's so many miserable, miserable people in this world. Because it really is like, you don't have to be miserable. You can, you can enjoy what you're doing and you can make a living doing it. But you have to just make that jump though.
0: Yeah, you know I think you're touching on something that also I personally believe in and is one of the reasons why I'm an advocate for the Web3 space and a huge believer in DAOs is I think that the future that they're facilitating is one that is, you know, self-sovereign. And I don't just mean that in the, you know, traditional ways, both in terms of ownership of identity and all of these other things that are attached to that identity. I also mean in terms of like choice and the work that you do and getting fulfillment and building something, getting ownership in something that you believe in that aligns with, you know, your personal values. Because I, I, do you think that there is an attachment of your identity to your work? But I don't think that that is necessarily right or true. There should be, you know, these the, your identity should be driven by values, these core beliefs, inalienable, right? And yeah, I think that that should be influencing what you choose to do for work. And there is a certain freedom to that in Web3 that I think can certainly create some new opportunities for people who may not have had that in the past, also, because it's global, it's asynchronous. We're able to work with people from around the world in ways that we, I don't think, have had an opportunity to do so either. But you touched on some things just now that I think beautifully segue into the Dow Punk mantra, right? Which uh, talks about corp rats and becoming a Dow Punk. I think some of these values or some of these ideas and beliefs and how we connect to work are part of that corporate mindset. Can you walk me through a little bit about what where that came from? That idea of like helping people go from being a corporate to a dao punk. And how does that exemplify itself in the project and just generally maybe in your life? Yeah,
2: it really started with just like a meme. I mean, me and me and Sinjin were the really the the founding members of kind of the Dao Punk idea. And well, I don't I don't want to say the idea. It really we the Bankless DAO community was the idea and we just kind of, uh, we wanted to put a visual to it. So, so I won't say we were the founders of that idea, but we were basically just talking about launching like an art project. Like we just wanted to launch an art project and cause NFTs were blowing up and you know, we, me and Sinjin are both kind of builder mentality and we're like, okay, cool. Like other people are building some cool stuff. Like let's build something cool too. And, um, we originally just started with just like wanting to make some cool art. And Sinjin comes from a fashion design background. He's worked for a bunch of really just impressive companies in the web two world. And uh, so he had all the means to to take like our artwork and and turn it into uh, physical. And again, I I wasn't an artist before. You know, it's still kind of weird for me to say I'm an artist now, but so I had never had an opportunity to like put my artwork on on shirts out in the real world. So when Sinjin met, you know, brought that to me, I was like, absolutely, like that would be so cool. Like having some people walk around the streets with like some of my artwork on it. Yeah, let's do it. And it started with just such a basic idea. And it just continued to evolve because you know, we started with just a super simple idea. I think we only wanted to do like a hundred shirts or something, and they were just gonna be of like one piece of art. And then Sinjin's like, oh well you know, can we do a generative project? And I was like, no, absolutely not. Like, I don't know how. And then eventually I figured it out. And then more people started joining the team in Bankless DAO. And we ended up having like 15 people at one point working on the project before it launched. And, you know, out of each meeting, we just kept leaving the meeting with different thoughts and ideas. And Sinjin was like, you know, this needs to be a movement. We need to turn this into a movement. And so that's when he came up with like the manifesto, which is really where this whole like DAO punk ethos was born, and it, it all was uh, basically reflective of what we saw happening in Bankless DAO, and so that's what I mean earlier by like we we're not like the founders or the creators of the idea of DAO punks. We we basically are just trying to like, I guess, record it in history visually <laughs> of what we believe DAO punks look like, and so we we saw all these people working in the DAO um, in various DAOs basically doing what they love to do, picking what they want to do and, you know, making money doing it. And I think, um, we both like to think that in the future, the world will be more like that to where you don't have to be miserable. Like you don't have to like pick, you don't have to pick a job straight out of high school or college and then do it forever (laughs) because humans are, humans are interesting creatures. I mean, it's like, you know one day you like something the next day you don't so it's just it's so idiotic to think that like you have to straight out of high school know what you want to study in college for 4 years and then once you leave college you, you do that for the rest of your life it's just silly um but unfortunately society is built like that and so really we're we're just trying to imagine like how would we want to work you know and and i think um sinjin has always been a super big inspiration on all of this stuff because he's such a free spirit. And I know you you've talked to Sinjin a bunch, but he's a uh, he's just super inspirational. <laughs> he likes to work on you know really big idea projects, and uh, I think I think he was the original one who kind of came up with this whole ethos.
0: Yeah, I've also peeked at a recent deck, and it looks like y'all are just continuing to build. Maybe I won't alpha leak it here because I hear that y'all are going to have some sort of like surprise stuff happening but it may have something to do with a bus which I think is super dope <laughs> kind of continuing on this mission right and expanding that to a much wider audience
2: yeah yeah GM bus it's going to be really cool so I'll uh, yeah I don't I don't know exactly when they're going to launch it but that's going to be a fun experience too it's basically going to be a bus that travels around the country and, and potentially the world. And it's gonna to try to help educate people on crypto past like again, past what people believe. Like most most normal people in the real world, when you talk about crypto, they just think about the investing aspect of crypto. They don't realize that like there's this whole kind of underlying community doing other things. And so we really need more people to go out into the world and, and say like, hey, okay, cool, you own Ethereum and Bitcoin, but You know, let's go do some other stuff with it. Like, you don't just have to hold it in, like, a custody wallet.
0: Right. No, I mean, that's exactly the space that we would like to believe that we fill, too, is that education initiative, because there's more than just, like you said, talking about the financial elements of crypto, but there's a lot more. There's definitely these more meta discussions, these sociological movements Right. In terms of how it impacts people in the way that they work, how it impacts people in the way that they can govern themselves, gain ownership over things, you know, build along these like shared values. So, since we are, I guess, on that, I think I do want to circle back on something that you were just talking about, and that's the manifesto. Right. And I think that it's important to kind of discuss the value of this generally in terms of like how you drive communities together or bring communities together through the values right? Through the mission of an organization. And you were talking about how Sinjin was influential to this. But I think before then, I don't think that I had seen manifestos being used as this construct that was not just a something that was like marketing speak, but certainly something that drove an idea even further and made it relatable and made it kind of like the driving force of that project. So... I guess maybe if you wouldn't mind, and I know you touched on it a little bit already, but like what have you seen in terms of like the impact of the manifesto? And how do you see maybe just these values and mission driving both Dao Punks into the future, but also maybe even some of these other projects that you're involved with?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's super important. You know, what we saw during this big kind of mania phase with like NFTs and, and crypto, obviously as well we saw all these projects launching and they were just coming out of the woodworks. I mean, at one point it was almost like every single day, it was like three or four projects dropping. And it was just amazing to see uh, how many things were, were launching at one point. And I remember like everybody, everybody got to the point where it's like, this is not sustainable. And you know, obviously we, we see that now. And so I think if you're going to launch a project you really need to like take a step back and say to yourself, like, okay, why am I launching this project? <laughs> you know, what's the point? Why would anybody be interested in this project? You know, what is this project going to solve, if anything? And really try to like put all that stuff down. And I guess, I guess originally, like a lot of that was through like a roadmap and stuff like that. But Sinjin, yeah, I think Sinjin came up with the idea of the manifesto too. Like, hey, we should have like a manifesto. And really what was nice about the manifesto is that it really it really made us take a step back before we launched and say like well why are we doing this? You know, what's the point? Uh, all these all these questions that we had to answer. And it helped a lot because you know, once you could effectively answer those questions, it it gave you a lot more like peace of mind that you're like okay, I'm I'm moving in the right direction and that there's actually like a need here. And one thing that I that I noticed too is that like A lot of people, when we did launch the project, a lot of people really did resonate with the manifesto. Like one of the things that I saw that was shared the most on Twitter regarding our project was the manifesto. And so, you know, not only was it like a really great thing that kind of explained the whole project in kind of like one paragraph, it also really like was a great marketing tool and it really like pulled people together towards like a cause because It kind of hit on some like heartstrings where people are like, you know what? Yeah, like I really don't like what I'm doing now. And it it kind of helped people realize that they can actually like maybe, you know, there is like a light at the end of the tunnel sort of vibe. And so I think it's a super powerful thing. Another project that I know you had on not long ago that also had like a super hard-hitting manifesto was Cult DAO. And I think, you know, that was probably one of the main reasons why Cult DAO was or still is as popular as it is. It's because the manifesto is just so well-written and it hits on like so many heartstrings to where people are like, you know what? Like, I'm going to get into this project just because I believe in the manifesto. Like, I don't even care about the other stuff. And so I think it's important.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we have Live Fast here on stage. So I'd be curious to hear from you how that manifesto impacted you. Because again, this was something you brought up early in your introduction, is in terms of like maybe your feeling of maybe uh, having an imposter syndrome, but really being encouraged by the project and the people in the project to participate, to contribute, and to come up with these really interesting ideas that are helping to continue to move the project forward. So, Lif, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear from you in terms of how this manifesto, I guess, helped with your introduction to the project, and then maybe even to your transition in becoming an active contributor in that project.
1: I'm going to out myself, and I'm going to feel embarrassed because, like I said in the beginning, when I first got into the project, I went in with a, I went with a, I went on my recommendation from my friend, and I liked the art. The art was dope, and I bought it. I didn't read the manifesto, and probably until like maybe my third or fourth week after attending governance calls. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but like, but you know, you know, even then, the the idea of what the manifesto is and what it means to me is like it's still it means it's it's so in line with my personal character, even in my even in my personal life, I work for the people. I work in intellectual property. I, I actually help inventors and like companies, like you know, with intellectual property questions and uh, patent protections and stuff. So, like, I I am for helping uh, to improve other people, other people's lives with their own ingenuity. To really, like, you know, they have an idea to help whether or not they get protection from that idea to make sure that it is new and novel. So, you know, even in a weird way, it is just like I was like built for this like manifesto to help liberate other people, uh, to, you know, bring them into like, you know, remove, uh, like help get them out of their other job and really towards uh, improving their lives through whatever idea that they had had built upon. So it's just, it just, it's a, in a weird twist of fate. It just kind of, it all seems to just work out. Even in my current like uh, position where the stuff that I'm working on for for Dao Punks, it is all based on not improving myself, but just improving our community members uh, and and giving them uh, giving them options or like the ability to do things that they didn't know that they would want or they could have. That's you know it's all about like I'm trying trying to just help them be better or have the option to do to do things that you know, they didn't think were possible or that they could do or, or stuff like that and remove roadblocks that may or may not be presented for themselves.
0: I mean, it sounds like either directly or indirectly, you're repeating some of that, you know, the, the manifesto and some of those core ideas, right, of building something that is rewarding for people and to give them, you know, this opportunity to do meaningful work to build communities, to build bridges and blaze trails, as it says. So, yeah, it's it's interesting, right? I mean, it sounds like maybe for you, the art, which also for me, was hugely influential. I am a holder of a few Dao Punks. In fact, there's one for me, one for my wife, and we got our shirts and we do wear them proudly. And so, yeah, I, I think that there's something to be said in terms of like the artwork that looks really badass, but also in terms of like, just it's so deeply ingrained in the in the project in its art, right, that maybe it need, it goes without saying it really is just permeated the culture of the project. So I'd be curious, if, since since we already have you unmuted here, live fast, talk a bit about this recent initiative that was passed at Dow Punks and what that means for the future of the project and its community.
1: Yes, the DaoPunks digital license agreement, terms and conditions, passed yesterday overwhelmingly with a vote of uh, 88 unique addresses. Uh, 179 DaoPunks NFTs were voted in favor with two DaoPunks voted in dissent. We are offering now, owners of DaoPunks will have a royalty-free license for personal use and will have an unlimited worldwide Commercial license to use their DAO punks for derivative derivative arts and other projects that they see fit. This was a project of mine or a topic of discussion for for months. Uh, long long chats in in the in the DAO punks Discord over what you know what 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 can we actually do? Um, I you know it started off as just a, a an innocent question to uh to Cryptobushi, to Sinjin, to the other to the other high power people in the in the in the DaoPunks team i'm i'm by no means um, you know high high powered i have i'm just i'm just another Dalpunk holder uh, in the team just ask them just ask them a simple question hey what can i do with my Punk? it seems to be unclear we don't have anything we don't have anything in like down on paper or there doesn't seem to be any uh, thing written and the response back was, yeah, we don't. Um, and I was just like, you know, I'm like looking at like, you know, I look around at the other space and I just kind of was like looking at other projects as everybody does. And I just kind of was like, you know, a lot of people kind of like have like limits and like they want, they like, you know, they say what you can and can't do. And I just got to kind of like fell down this rabbit hole question of just like, well, what do we, what should we do with this? And I just started off and then it was just like looking at different ideas. What do other people, what do other big name projects have? What do they say that they can do? And I kind of like, as I did research and I looked into it, like, you know, there is, there is a wide uh, wide gamut of like differing differing opinions of what you can do with your NFT art, from very restrictive to only personal use to no commercial use to you have to get approval from the commute from the DAO for any type of commercial use or to flat out non commercial use to the generic like you can do whatever you want. There are no restrictions. You don't even have to own the NFT to actually use the art. And I just came like I just I thought about it and I asked questions and I posed questions to the community and a lot of it was just like a lot of people were very like you know this is this is very complex you know you 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 seem to be very interested in it just 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 right flesh out like you know just talk about it like see what people are saying and there's a few the community engagements in there and I asked posed questions and I just like kind of just asked, asked everybody, like ask people, I was like, what do you think? What do you want? Like, what do you like, what do other people want to do with your Dao Punk? And a lot of people were just like, I don't know, man. I, I like, I, I just want to use it. I, I like, I, I just want to keep it. What like, you know, it, it doesn't really matter to me. And so I kind of like grabbed sentiment and I came up with some ideas and I was like, okay, so like here we boiled it down to like a three options, you know, whether or not it was like the, the CC zero, uh, like, you know, protections of it. Uh, we went with the the, the like the Yuga Labs based uh, board Ape yacht club. Like we're just like, look, you can go. It's you own the NFT, you own it. Like go go ham. Uh, and then there are like the other models where it's just like you you own it, but you can't use it for commercial purposes. And I just knew like in my core that like the Dal Punks, I was like, you know, you we want like we want people to use it, and like I we want people to use it, and we don't want to like restrict them. And if this is this is what it like, if the Dao Punk if the Dao Punk is very representative of what you're supposed to be, and you you resonate with both the archetype that we have because we have each Dao Punk has like you're one of a few archetypes that you could be, and people really pick their Dao, uh, Dao Punks based on their archetype. Like they resonate you, you have this custom, like you feel you feel this connection with it, use it. I was like, you know, use it. Go use it as your avatar, use it as your spokesperson for whatever you want. And I just pushed very hard for the license agreement as it's drafted right now. It's a fork of you know the Board of Yacht Club license agreement that they have. And I just I felt I was like, you know what? This is this is us. This is what we want. We, we, we want, like we are going to use this. This is this is right in line with everything that we would want to have. And I pushed hard and a lot of people had questions and it was concerns. And I was like, look, I was like, you know, this is, I think this is it. This is, this is what we're going to, we're going to do. This is the best option for us. And I sat there and I wrote drafts and I wrote multiple drafts. I attempted to write, I wrote this multiple times I sent it out to people and I was like people like read this and you know, it was just like a few few people were interested a few people were questions but a lot of people were just like overall were just like I'm not too sure like maybe maybe this is over my head and I and I and I got and I got this weighted too I'm not a lawyer I, I don't I don't know I don't know the legalese of this and and when it came down to it I was just like I had I had a draft I had like what I considered like the final the final version of it and I had it I had it in my hands for about a month and like i was just like i think i'm ready and i think i'm ready to like post it and i like i sent out a few messages and like a lot of i didn't get a lot of reception back and i was just like i i don't know what to do um like i have this draft i'm like i need to get like i was like i would like to have like some lawyers look at it like they want to get more feedback and uh i was on a phone call with Bushi one day and he just like flat out told me bro he's like send it just like he's like he's like it's done he's like you you, you know you, you you go do it he's like you this is this is what it's going to be. I was like, all right, like I, I like I called up. I had my I had one. I have one friend, bless her heart, uh, patients who literally took one look at it, gave me some comments, gave me some notes, gave me some additional things to think about, and I made my last few edits. And I just like I was like, this is it. I was like, this is this is exactly what we need. And I put it up for snapshot. And I was like, this is this is this is it for the Tao punks. They'll tell me they'll they'll tell me what what we want to do, and. By overwhelming majority, I mean, we had people turn out for this vote that like, I, I'm shocked. I'm like, I'm so happy and I'm so proud of it. And it's just, it's, it, it, it turned out better than I could expect it.
0: Yeah, that's good. I mean, I think that that just goes to reinforce this idea of like community ownership, permissionless contributorship right? So it's good to see that this continues to be explored and, you know, tinkered with and and, and perfected and improved, I guess is a better word, uh, within the Punks ecosystem. So to start wrapping things up, I guess I have two questions here. And uh, the first one would be like, so what does the future look like for Punks now that we have this uh, new licensing agreement? I did see something about like uh, I think it was through your Twitter account, Cryptobushi, that there, uh, or maybe it was a Punk's Twitter account, that y'all are looking for new developers to kind of build out some new novel experience within the the project.
2: Yeah, so our number one whole like roadmap or plan or whatever you want to call it, our the whole like reason for Punks was to be like a grants giving DAO. Like we we want to be like a public good. And so we we have all this ETH in our treasury that we fundraise from the primary sale. Granted, it's worth a little bit less in USD value now. <laughs> but we have all this money sitting in our treasury and we we want to give it away and we want to grant money to people that have like similar ideals to us in terms of like working in DAOs, working in web three, even projects. And so it took us about six months just to get like a working grant program going and you know, I think that's another thing to say here too. Like Running a project in Web3 and running it as a DAO is really hard. It's really, really hard. Just the nature of how DAOs are built. They're not always built for, for quick, decisive action. When you have everybody input, inputting ideas, it's very slow. There's a lot of conversations. It takes a long time to do stuff. And so we were all super excited when we did our first grant round. But now that grant round's over, and we need to continue to do grant rounds. And so really, our, our number one priority is to keep doing grants, at least until we run out of money. The other facet of Dao Punks that was always kind of interesting is that we also had this kind of play on fashion. And so the you know I, I think, again, it's kind of cliche when people say like, oh, you get a free shirt. It wasn't just a free shirt. It was... We were basically taking this new idea of -of one-of-one NFTs on the blockchain and we wanted to figure out, okay, can we take these one-of-one NFTs and then make one-of-one shirts in the real world, which hadn't been done before. But all of the technology to do it was there and was present. And so we really wanted to kind of be like the first to do that. And so the shirts that everybody got, they weren't just like, you know, one-off shirts to where everybody got the same shirt. They were they were one shirt that had your your specific Dao Punk on it. And it's the only one shirt with that specific Dao Punk that will ever exist. And so that was like a super interesting feat that we accomplished as well to even figure that out logistically. And so that was kind of another interesting facet to the project. And so we have some ideas on some more interesting kind of fashion-related plays that, that we're exploring that we need some developers for it would make us again like another first in the fashion world for doing something like this. And I like to say, like, we're, we're basically trying to merge the physical with the digital and in the fashion world, that's still very new and young. And so that's kind of a fun thing that we're interested in as well. But again, the first number one thing that we're most interested in doing is, is giving away grants and making sure that we can help as many people as possible and uh, I mean, I think what's super interesting to note too is like, we had like 50 people apply for the first grant. And a lot of those people were from all around the world. That money really could go a long way in some places. I mean, like $2,000 in the United States might not go that far. But like $2,000 in like places like Africa and, and places like that, it goes a really long way. And so we, we just want to keep continuing to try to help people. And uh, that's a number one priority.
0: Yeah, I'm a huge fan and proponent of public goods as well and happy to see the alignment with that as well over at Punks. So one last question that we'd normally like to ask here to our guests, and I will share that question with you too, is, you know, it doesn't just have to be on crypto Twitter, but, you know, who has been or what has been most influential to you through your crypto journey? It could be someone that early on kind of facilitated that you know kind of idea and help guide you. It could have been a newsletter, a podcast, you know, a blog. So yeah, it, who or what would you say has been most influential to you in your crypto journey?
2: Yeah, this is a super easy one for me. So I would say it would be Ryan, Sean Adams, and David Hoffman from Bankless HQ. And it was funny because when I first kind of started getting some interest in crypto, I'm I'm all like, I'm really one of those people that like I have a very addictive personality, and so when I like when I jump into something, I way overcomplicate it. Like I obsess about it. I usually do way more research than I need to. And so when I first started getting into crypto, I was like, okay, well, I need to learn like as much as possible so that I can get like an edge, right? And so I started listening to all the podcasts, and one that I really enjoyed was Bankless, the Bankless podcast, which is super popular, and they always just had some great guests on, and they're just some cool guys. And I remember there was one specific episode where they started talking about working in Web3 and stuff like that. And I'll never forget, David Hoffman said, Web3 is looking for more people to work in the industry. Like if you want to work in crypto, you can work in crypto. All you have to do is just start doing it. And I remember thinking, I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, I was just so like, yeah, okay, like that's so much easier said than done. But long story short, like now I, I literally work for Bankless. Like, I work for those same guys that like I was super excited and like inspired by. And so I, I think uh, it easily hands down goes
0: to those guys. And that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Crypto and LiveFast. It's great to see the organic growth of communities and the value they unlock by empowering their members. I hope to see the flipping of more corporates into DAO Punks in the future. If you'd like to connect with CryptoBushi, you can find them on Twitter at CryptoBushi. And to learn more about DAO Punks, you can go to DaoPunks.io and on Twitter at Dowpunksnft. Thanks for listening to Crypto Sapiens. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star review wherever you enjoy your podcasts. It costs zero dollars, means the world to us, and helps others discover this content, too. You can also find more conversations like this one by visiting our website at cryptosapiens.xyz. I look forward to reconnecting with you at our next discussion.